0: Hello
1: and welcome to episode 144 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host Stuart Butler. Joined today with two fellow Fueligans. Number one is Phil fariska Hey, everybody. And number two is Melissa Kavanaugh. Are
0: you I don't see- like being referred to as number two. Just for the record. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I will correct that in future episodes. For a
0: future reference.
1: I appreciate the feedback. Honest and transparent communication is the key to success right now with these changing times. So thank That's you. Right. Thank you for that. You will no longer be number two. Uh, but you should be excited about today because we are talking about one of your favorite subjects. And no, it is not booking engines that suck because that burns your bu- buttons. We're talking about analytics today. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and assume this is this is – I know I'm making an assumption we shouldn't do that. I'm going to assume that everyone that's listening to this has some crazy wonky data going on right now. So anything you've done historically to look at trends year over year is going to be kind of irrelevant moving forward. So we're going to talk about what you need to be thinking about, not just right now, but also how do you set yourself up for success with analytics in the future as well. So Melissa came up with the title for this: The Three Things Hoteliers Should Be Doing With Their COVID-19 Analytics Data Now. So that's kind of wordy. I think we need to workshop that a little bit. We'll come up with some clickbaity kind of a, a title. But that that's basically what we're gonna do. We'll cover three things you should be doing right now with your analytics to future-proof yourself. So before we do that, Pete's not here. So I hear all the all the people listening, they're a little nervous. They're wondering. Is there going to be a newsaroos? Well, <laughs> well, Melissa, you want to take us away?
0: With hotel marketing the cannot lose, now it's time for
1: newsaroos. Yes. See, we don't need nice. Pete to have newsaroos. And it was a return to the classic, the one we all know and love. So I was very happy about
2: that. So, Phil, you have some newsaroos going on? They do. Um, so, some hotels are getting an email from TripAdvisor. Uh, TripAdvisor is offering some some relief for their business advantage partners. So, uh, the email states that you know during the difficult time, they feel it's their responsibility to help partners as the best they can. Um, they feel. TripAdvisor can support businesses um, online right now, and they're offering two months of free Business Advantage service. So, no, no hotel who gets this email will be responsible for April or May's payments, and they're going to be pushing back renewal dates by two months.
1: Yeah, so I think there's there's a couple of important parts to this. Right, one is you have to respond. Like they're asking you if you receive this message, and and we don't know yet because this isn't public. Like, not everyone has received this yet. I haven't seen any public statements from TripAdvisor about this. It's kind of sporadic and it may even be just certain markets. But if you receive this this email, then you need to respond to let them know that you want to take the, the opportunity to defer payments for two months. So basically, they're saying for April and May, you won't have to pay for your business listings. And then they'll add two months to the end of the contract. So that's the other thing you need to be aware of. It is extending your contract renewal date by two months. So one really important thing to think about here is because we're in the unfortunate situation that a lot of people are being furloughed, a lot of email addresses are on autoresponders right now, a lot of people's emails are not being checked. If the person that you have as the contact for TripAdvisor is on furlough, you need to make sure you reach out proactively to TripAdvisor. And get that contact information updated, or log into the system and update your contact information, so that someone's actually looking to when that email comes in. Because it would be a heck of a pain to see that two months from now, when someone comes back from furlough, and say, "Hey, did you know we could have deferred this payment for a couple of months?" And you're like, "Ah, oh, shucks." So, yeah, that's a good good roo I like it more. Good news, we, and we're yeah. trying to focus on that stuff in our newsaroops rather than the bleak um, you know, projections of how bad RevPar and ADR are going to look over the next couple of months. We're trying to bring you some shiny lights, some good news. And- yeah, I was
2: saying uh, earlier, I was speaking about this to to a client and who also got the email, and we were kind of just discussing TripAdvisor turning over a new leaf a bit in the way they changed their sponsored uh, sponsored placements and and now with with this um, you know free two months of Business Advantage, um, it, it's just it's good to see from TripAdvisor. It's refreshing.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's the right thing to do, right? That's the kind of approach that, that we've been taking with our partners, and we're, we're willing to share the burden and take it on the chin in the short term because it benefits everyone in the long term. But, I mean, let's let's be honest, Tripify's strategy of trying to milk the hotels and really not serve the guests uh, anymore has not worked for them for several years. So it's about time they made a pivot. And hopefully this is one that's going to be permanent and they're going to look to partner better with the hotels, but more importantly, continue to service the guests because that's really what made TripAdvisor great in the first place was their focus on what is good for the guest is good for the, the site itself. So let's hope there's a return to form there. All right, so before we jump into the topic, I did want to reiterate too, we said this in the last episode as well, We we're, we're looking at potentially doing a fuel campfire, sort of a, a coffee time, drop-in, happy hour, whatever you want it to be, a therapy session, idea sharing, just a place to, to collaborate and share the misery with fellow hoteliers and people from the industry. So we're looking at the whether or not there's an interest in that. So if you're listening to this show, if you're part of the fuel family and you're interested in just jumping on a video call for 30 minutes once a week or something like that, we're calling it the fuel campfire then just drop us a line let us know if there's something you're interested in and if it's something that, that that's worthwhile so we're looking at potentially starting that next week uh either the 8th or the 9th of april so if you're interested just email us info at fueltravel.com that's info at fueltravel.com just let us know hey i'd be interested in a fuel campfire i want to chat with smart people and Try to take my mind off the craziness that's going on. So that that'll be good. So just info at fueltravel.com. And Melissa, so let's jump into your subject. We're talking about analytics, three things you should be doing right now to future proof your, your analytics and your data. So any kind of groundwork you want to lay before we jump into it?
0: Yeah, so I'm going into the assumption that if you are a hotelier and you were like the majority of hotels right now, unfortunately traffic and revenue that is being generated online has basically come to a screeching halt. But in spite of that, it doesn't mean you should be ignoring what's in your data. So we're going to cover three things that you need to be doing today with that. And there is sort of further detail versus these uh, podcast notes. There's a full blown out blog post on this as well on FuelTravel.com.
1: Yeah, so if you go to fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 144, then we'll link to the original blog article right there, and you'll, you'll be able to get the more in-depth version of this and follow along. All right. So let's start off, shall we, with number 111111.
0: And just for the record, also, I numbered these just for you, Stuart.
1: I'm glad. I would have been very disappointed and and probably scolded you a little bit, because yeah. you, know, you know how... Sucky booking engines burn your buttons. Yes. Yeah. Non-numbered lists in podcasts burn my buttons as well. so.
0: So number one is keeping track of current events. I hope that most people know this, but you may not be aware of this, but most analytics platforms have an annotation feature. And if you're not taking advantage of it, now is the time you really need to start utilizing this. And It's very simple and again, there are step-by-step instructions in the full blown-out blog post on where to find this in Google Analytics and how to do that. But we want you to take note of critical dates so that whenever you're running a report that includes this time period, you will have annotated what exactly was going on in the world when this happened. So we've got just a smattering of sample dates that you might want to include, some maybe more than others. But, for example, March 11, 2020, is when who declared COVID-19 a pandemic? Wait, now, who did? I mean, Who, yeah. Who? who? The World well, Health Organization. Who's on first? <laughs> you know, those people. Yeah. They're kind of important here. So that's when this pandemic was officially declared, and I think that that's a pretty critical date. Now, if you're listening from Europe, if you live in Italy, there were some critical dates long before this was actually announced, so just keep your locality in mind again. Um, Some other dates are if you live in in your area, the date of a state of emergency was declared. Um, If you have specific fly drive markets you might want to note those states of emergency so you can track you know if this particular state started declining in traffic at what point in time all that kind of stuff you will also want to know for your specific area if you've had a government enforced quarantine and also unfortunately if your government or the owner of your property has forced a shutdown of your property you definitely want to know when that happened That's from sort of like a worldly standpoint. From a marketing standpoint, though, there are also things you want to notate. And that would be any kind of changes in marketing spend. So what has happened with PPC, with social, with meta spending, any of those changes, you want to annotate that. And then also marketing strategies. So maybe your spend hasn't changed, but maybe you've started bidding on broad keywords or you've changed your promotion because spring is sort of out of the question and now you're promoting summer. So those types of things you could possibly want to annotate. Uh, Any types of operational changes. So changes in, you know, call center hours or anything like that is pertinent to. Keeping track of as well. And then, uh, from a website perspective, we're looking at changes to your content on the website. So, when did your COVID alert sort of get added to the website? Or maybe you started featuring your restaurant on the homepage because you have takeout available or delivery available. So, you made that a feature on the homepage. When was your cancellation policy updated? And if you, maybe you've changed your deposit um, policy as well, and you know when when did that happen? Either on the booking engine or on the homepage, et cetera, et cetera. So those are just some examples. I could go on and on, but that's just you know top yeah. level.
1: And I think the key here is to realize there's not you can't over annotate, right? I, I think the more information you have in there, the better. Anything you feel like could have an implication to a change in behavior, either now or in the future, then then putting it in there is really, really important.
2: And just to note, um, while you would be annotating this in your analytics platforms like Google Analytics, um, specifically for your paid spend, uh, say you know, Google, Google Ads um, or Google Hotel Ads, you can annotate directly in that platform as well. So it would be a separate annotation, but um, it, it gives a just another place where you can mark specific PPC-related annotations, like you mentioned, changes in spend or changes in strategy. You should definitely be annotating those now more than ever.
1: All right. Moving on to number two, two, two,
0: two. So now that you've done all that, we want to review and act on the current data that is feeding into your system. So looking at content first for the visitors that are coming to your site, what exactly are they consuming? I bet it's not the same content that they were before. So what has changed? Are you seeing, you know, increases to your policy page, to the FAQs? Are you seeing an increase to the contact page or your dedicated COVID-19 page? What you know, what is this data showing you? Or is is it showing you that maybe you're missing information on pertinent pages that, you know, maybe on your accommodations page or on your rooms pages, there needs to be a link to your FAQs or whatever the case might be. Um, do you have a webcam page that is maybe getting traffic from people in that aspirational point in time since they can't travel? This could be a really good opportunity to get again, that aspirational message in front of them saying, you know, hey, we know you can't be here now, but we'll be here when you're ready to travel again.
2: Yeah, this is really important because it's very likely that you're seeing traffic to pages that you normally wouldn't be seeing traffic to. So now's the time to see, uh, just, just to evaluate those top landing pages and, and see how you can improve them in terms of, you know, maybe adding a newsletter sign up or, or changing the messaging on those pages.
0: Next up is really within your booking engine, and some people may have access to this data if your booking engine doesn't suck, or some people may not. But if you do have access to it, collecting the data on what people are doing in the booking engine can be really helpful. So looking at the dates that are searched, and separately, what are the dates that are booked in the length of stay can be extremely helpful. So, you know, you can see the disparity between what was searched and what was booked and what time frame are people looking at? Are people potentially still booking closer in than you'd expect? Um, are people, you know, looking for summer at this point? What's going on, you know, from a search perspective? And then using that data, can you use some marketing tactics to get visitors to search for potentially summer vacations or sometime later out when potentially, hopefully, this whole thing is passed and the coast is clear and people can actually book. Next up is looking at location. What geographic people, or what's the geographic location that people are coming to from your website? Is it more local traffic? You may be surprised, again, especially if you've got something like a webcam or something like that. You have no idea what difference in geography you know, could be going on. It's important to look at that again. Is it your drive market? Is it a fly market? Where are people coming from to your website, and then use this data to tailor your content appropriately. And again, this can directly play into paid advertising if you are still advertising with paid campaigns that you can geotarget these people based on that data.
2: And and it would you should also look at if you're currently running and you see that. Um, a certain area has travel restrictions or a stay at home order. Make sure you're not targeting book now messaging to those people you know and, and as just just as much as you would want to be targeting people who could be coming to visit you um, sooner than later.
0: and along those lines, next up is market trends. Reach out to your friendly competitors, as we keep saying, we are all in this together, even though you're competitors, we all want everyone to get through this. So reach out to friendly competitors in your market or your CVB or your chamber, whoever the case might be, to see how you guys are doing in comparison with the rest of the market. And you can also use things outside of that, like Google Trends or Vertical Trends Report from Google and see how, again, your traffic, your natural search trends are comparing to other people in the industry. And we've got some examples, again, of that in the full um, blog post of things that we've provided to our clients along those lines where, you know, we're providing Search dates and just overall, you know, revenue for our whole market and all that kind of stuff so that everybody can sort of see the the trend for the area. And then just this is sort of my caveat, because, you know, I have to have a caveat. And
1: what's the caveat?
0: That's right. Uh, just a really quick note. If you have a team of people that are working remotely now instead of where they are usually in your property or in your office, you could be having data that is skewed by that traffic and you may want to exclude their IP addresses from your analytics platform because of that so just keep that in mind
1: or on the other side if you hadn't ever excluded your internal wi-fi traffic you might see a decrease in visits because you don't have guests right now that are using your wi-fi which was previously skewing your data so you could potentially fix that for moving forward as well double skewing yeah. There's a couple of other interesting things. I don't know how you know meaningful they are in terms of act or actionable they are, but I was on a show, Lauren's, this week in this Hospitality Digital Marketing show earlier today, and Banu, the owner and founder of Milestone, was on there, and she was talking about how they're looking at their data, and there's a couple of interesting trends. One is desktop traffic has increased as a percentage compared to mobile you know we'd seen that mobile trend and hit the mobile tipping point but because everyone's at home now and a lot of them are working from home it's it's seen a shift fewer people are, are searching for hotels on their mobile phone and more doing it from desktop which is kind of interesting and also from a demographics perspective she was saying that they're seeing more an increase of males doing travel searches versus females is about the same, but there's an increase in the number of males doing it. So just huh. just a couple of interesting little tidbits that you might notice some anomalies in your data. So anytime you see that, you you need to think, okay, is there an opportunity there that I can take advantage knowing, knowing this information?
0: All right. Moving on from there, we're at number three, 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 three. three, 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 three. And that is preparing for next year's data. So one of my favorite sayings is garbage in, garbage out. And while we just talked about the information you're receiving right now is not garbage, basically this time next year, it's gonna be garbage. So what are we gonna do about that? Uh, We recommend using two years ago data at that point. So you would be using 2019 as your comparison date set. It's not ideal, we know it's not ideal but there's virtually no real useful data. Again, unless you're one of the hotels that is just doing really well right now, um, there's not gonna be a whole lot of helpful data to compare for 2020. So we need to cut our losses and just do the best we can with what we have. Um, And we, have and will continue to see scenarios like this. This isn't a one-off case where you've got bad year-over-year data. You know, we've had clients that have had to close because of hurricane damage. Or they've just closed for renovations, or they've had partial closures for renovations, and people can't book rooms. So, you know, their data has been wonky for a period of time. So we'll create reports that have both year-over-year data and then data from two years ago as comparisons. And I highly recommend that route
2: going You know how we know that? Because you annotate everything so well.
0: (laughs) There's always an asterisk somewhere (laughs) in my report.
1: (laughs) Melissa Asterisk. Maybe that's your name.
0: That's harder to say than caveat. Yeah. And that's about it. We're up to a wrap-up. How about that for a quick episode?
1: That might be the shortest episode ever, but I'm sure we can witter on for a little while if folks want to hang out with us, you know? We're not going anywhere. So.
0: You can listen to my dog snoring. I don't is know. Is that what it was,
1: earlier? I almost said, is someone snoring? Because while you were talking, I could hear... Like just really faintly, I could hear that in the background. So
0: yes, my dog is a snorer, and she lays at my feet in the office all yes, day.
1: Like just yeah. So I can't say kicker, right because the people would get mad at me like when she so, starts snoring. Because that's you know, what my wife does when I start snoring. She just kicks me.
0: Pete's got his bees. Mm-hmm. I now have a dog that I just adopted a week ago from the Humane Society, mm-hmm. and her name is Aurora. Who is named for Sleeping Beauty? So it is appropriate that she is snoring on our podcast.
1: There you go. So Very you, nice. So if She's you heard those up. sound, those sounds earlier in the episode, I think while you were going through number one is when I could hear her the loudest. So I thought it was was Phil again. You know how he tends to be narcoleptic sometimes just fall asleep. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's why I have to be in a closet because you could hear my dog snore from two rooms away. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh awesome well melissa
1: thank you for putting this together thanks for listening everyone again let us know info com if you're interested in the fuel campfire discussions and it'll just be a virtual drop-in and you can ask us questions or just chit chat it's up to you we just we feel like the audience you're all part of our family and you know we want to check in on everyone and make sure everyone's doing okay and offer a little bit of a break from what, what everyone's going through as well so info at if you're interested in that and then if you want to get the notes to today's show including a link to the original blog which has a little more in-depth more examples that melissa touched on just go to fueltravelcom slash podcast and click on episode 144 and melissa if they want to learn more about you or hit you up with some questions what's the best way to do that
0: I am on Twitter at M.A. Kavanaugh,
2: M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Phil? You can find me on Twitter at P.Fariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A.
1: You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Again, FuelTravel.com is the mothership where you'll find everything, including the podcast, all the blogs we've been posting. And if you go to FuelTravel.com slash resources, you can also get the latest updated content from all around the web around COVID-19 and how to manage your property during a crisis. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Not too
0: wordy at all.